What would your life look like if you felt confident in your body and in your health habits? We believe that confidence is possible for all people. This is the Free Method Podcast, and I'm your host, Dylan Murphy, registered dietitian and owner of Free Method Nutrition. We are dedicated to empowering women to make peace with food, heal their relationship with their body, and create sustainable health habits. Come hang with us each week as we have conversations that will inspire you to live a life of freedom. Let's dive into today's show. Welcome back to another episode of Free Method Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Marissa, and I should have asked how to pronounce your full name because I'm like, that's okay. I don't want to butcher it. <laughs> and I'm all sure good. It's, to pronounce it all it's Marissa. Yeah, it's Marissa Kai Milik, but Marissa is perfect. <laughs> yes. Uh, amazing. Um, well, yeah, Marissa is a dietitian. Um, she is at Binge Nutritionist over on Instagram. I know that's how I got connected to you. Um, so yeah, Marissa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yes. Can you start off by telling our listeners just a little more about you? Yeah, absolutely. So like we said, my name is Marissa. I'm a registered dietitian and I specialize in helping people overcome binge eating disorder. So I started my journey as a dietitian actually as a second career. I Uh initially was pursuing acting, which if you've heard me on other podcasts before, you may have heard me say that. But if you haven't, I took a very non-traditional route in getting to where I am today because my passions growing up were all around the arts and theater. And so I um, went to Los Angeles and was pursuing acting. But of course, as we know, the diet industry and Mm -hmm. diet culture is rampant in the acting industry. And so that sort of got the best of me. And I ended up struggling a lot with the restrict binge cycle and feeling just really helpless or I guess hopeless to how to get out of it. But then I discovered intuitive eating and healed my relationship with food. And that ignited a passion in me to help others do the same. So I ended up going back to school and became a dietitian. And so now that's exactly what I do today. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I feel like I know I remember in my internship class, there were maybe like two people who it was like their second career. And I was like, wow, I have so much respect. Cause you probably had to go like, did you have to get more undergrad credit too, or graduate credit? Yeah. Because going into acting, I just went into an art school. Like I didn't have a degree or anything like that prior. So Uh I restarted at, oh gosh, I was like 21 in these freshman Uh classes. So, I mean, I had to do the whole thing (laughs) from the start. So yeah, it was really difficult. But honestly, I'm glad I did that because I think if Mm. I went to college right out the gate, I'd probably would have had a degree in like advertising or something because I do find advertising like fascinating and Mm -hmm. filmmaking and stuff. But um, yeah, I'm glad I I took, I guess I usually just call it like a three-year gap year to figure out what I really wanted to do. And now, Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I love that. I also was laughing when I was reading your bio earlier about not being a Mexican food fan, which I like, don't really feel like I've met many people like that. So you very rare. (laughs) And my boyfriend hates that about me. I mean, I, I will, I love tacos and margaritas Mm -hmm. and stuff, but I don't even consider that true authentic Mexican, Mexican food in the way I enjoy it. Like I enjoy going to like an American 
taco place with yes. I don't know it, just yes. really good margaritas but yes. the true authentic Mexican places my boyfriend loves like they're just not my top pick and yeah anytime I say that to anyone I'm like oh, everyone <laughs> yes. stares at me like how dare you I'm like yes Sorry, I know but uh, I love Italian food through and yes through. <laughs> uh which is a great type of food as well yeah. um well yeah so I know you mentioned binge eating as kind of something you specialize in and it sounds like through some of your own lived experience that got you interested in that would you say yeah definitely I was stuck in that chronic restrict binge cycle mm -hmm. for many years mm -hmm. I always thought it was a matter of willpower and I just couldn't mm -hmm. stick to the diet. And I always thought I needed to keep my binge foods out of sight, out of mind, mm -hmm. but it always backfired. And so, yeah, I was, I was stuck binging for many years before I, I started to connect the dots of what was really going mm -hmm. on. And that all started, or I guess my interest in figuring out what was really going on got sparked when I read the intuitive eating book. Mm, yes. Yes. And gosh, I feel like I hear that so much where people think like, I just need to try harder, have more willpower, not keep these certain things at home. And maybe it works for people for, you know, a few days, a few weeks, but eventually it doesn't work. And then you end up blaming yourself instead of like really looking at the full picture. Um, and I'm curious too, for you, like what helped you kind of have that wake up call of like, okay, I don't need more willpower or like another diet. Like maybe there's something even kind of beneath the surface I need to address here. Yeah, that's a really good question. <clears throat> I think the biggest thing for me was learning about how our body speaks to us and doesn't try to mm -hmm. trick us, right? And so really my urges to binge were coming from an unnet unmet need. Mm -hmm. And that unmet need for me was enough food, right? I was mm -hmm. not <laughs> adequately nourishing my body. And so therefore, all of a sudden, I'd get these big urges to just eat, mm -hmm. eat, need. And then it, it really made sense to me when I realized, wow, you know, I need food and my body's just doing the best it can to get those needs met. And since mm. I'm ignoring my body so much by ignoring my hunger, by going on these diets, the only way I can get these needs met is by binging. And yeah. so, you know, once I started to view a binge as a sign of an unmet need versus uh, like a character flaw, mm -hmm. I started to <laughs> kind of get, get more curious and connect more of the dots around what was really going on. And that was, yeah. I say that as if it was like an overnight click, but it, it yeah. took a lot <laughs> of years to really figure it all out. But that starting point was realizing, oh, if we actually listen to our bodies instead of trying to ignore them, mm -hmm. it can, they can really tell us a lot, even if it doesn't always make sense. Yeah, totally. And I think I'm glad you mentioned that too, about the, like, it's not this just like overnight fix of like, oh, I've realized what the issue is and now it's solved. Cause also it can become so habitual and it's like developing new habits and all of that. Um, yeah. Where, you know, I think one thing I see a lot with clients when we're working on this type of stuff is, okay, maybe we're not eating regular meals. And so now we have to get into the habit of regular meals, but then we're also looking at like, oh, but do you work or are you home? Are you, are you in school? And how do we fit meals into that? And then, you know, how do we prepare meals? And there's so many different layers that come to it where sometimes if you look at it, it's like, okay, maybe it probably is quote unquote easier for you to just not eat all day and then binge at night, but like sustainability wise and just, you know, enjoyment wise, like 
that's not really a habit we want to continue with. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that can be a really hard thing for people is the kind of like chipping away step by step of like knowing you don't necessarily just have that aha moment and then it all just disappears. It, you, it's like yeah. you have the aha moment and then it's like, Ooh, now the work begins. Like, how do yeah, we develop? I think the aha, yeah, the aha moment, I think just ignites a curiosity to learn mm-hmm. about what's going on. But anything that you're learning, whether it's a, a knowledge in a book or about uh-huh. your body takes time. And, and also I want to mention that let's say you've been restricting and restricting and then binging, like that mm-hmm. is a pendulum swing from one extreme to the other, right? If all of a sudden we realize, oh, the reason that I'm in this restrict binge cycle is because I'm sort of feeding both ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. here, like I'm restricting that's leading to to the binge. We can't just all of a sudden eat, quote unquote, normally breakfast, lunch and dinner every day and all of a sudden stop having that urge to binge tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? Like going from having unmet physical needs to having one day of eating enough doesn't necessarily give your body all of the trust Mm -hmm. and reliability that it needs in order to regulate your appetite again. And so even once my clients and and even once I started to eat regularly again, to try to nurture my body back to a place of sort of a stable appetite again, Mm -hmm. I still had the urges to binge. I still binged along the Mm -hmm. way, but then with time, your body literally starts to trust you again. Your appetite yeah. becomes more regular again. You're able to better listen to your body. And then, you know, it, it becomes a lot more intuitive. But mm. if you're in a disordered relationship with with food in any way, you can't overnight listen to your body and be an intuitive yeah. eater. Like there is some healing that has to happen at the beginning. Totally. And I think with all of that, it's showing yourself so much like grace and compassion Mm -hmm. and patience along the way. Because like you said, you probably will still binge throughout the healing process. And then even once you get to a point of like, oh, this isn't something I struggle with anymore. There may still be days where it happens, whether it was like intentional or unintentional. Um, I'm also curious, what are things that you see besides like restricting leading to binging? What are other things that you notice kind of leading to people binging? Yeah, I would say the biggest reason is restricting Mm -hmm. or depriving yourself. So restricting being literally withholding food. So not eating enough, whether by means of dieting or even just not having enough access to food, like food insecurity, Mm -hmm. then deprivation would be more of that mental restriction of, oh, sure, I'm eating enough, but I shouldn't eat pizza or I can have pizza, Mm. but only two slices or just this weekend. And then I'm starting over again on Monday, right? A lot of the mental gymnastics Mm -hmm. dieters can go through to justify or talk ourselves out of certain desires or certain foods Mm -hmm. that we'd like. I mean, the mental deprivation is one of the sneakiest binge triggers. Um, and, And all of that is just about creating a lack of trust with your, with your body. Um, and then, you know, there's more of those mental and emotional reasons. Like we can eat emotionally. Binge eating mm-hmm. can become a coping mechanism. I mean, binge eating is a really effective coping yeah. mechanism if we need to numb or or avoid certain really difficult emotions. And that can become you know, an escape for a lot Mm. of people. Um, It can create a lot of stimulation or it can create uh, numbing from too much stimulation. Mm -hmm. Like uh, uh, 
two hands, like on both ends yeah. of that, it can help uh, with stimulation, which is where we see a lot of binge eating when it comes to clients who have ADHD, right? Because food mm-hmm. provides dopamine and that's a normal thing. But if you're already in a dopamine deficiency, then, mm-hmm. you know, we may need a lot of food to get dopamine from it. And so, yeah, I'd say it's, it's sort of like the bottom bottom level of the the pyramid here is physical needs. If we're not eating enough, we're going to lead to binge. On top of that would totally. be you know, sort of safety and security with food from a mental standpoint. And then moving up from there, you might see more binging from like emotional reasons mm-hmm. um, or psychological reasons, like things like uh, mental health, like ADHD. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm curious, especially specific to ADHD and binge eating, because I feel like that is one, like what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about binge eating and restricting and kind of that pendulum it almost feels like there's kind of a clear finish line, if that makes sense of like, okay, if I'm not restricting and I get more regular routines and rhythms with food then I can kind of trust, like we said, that my body will kind of readapt and I'll won't binge as much because I'm not restricting as much. But I feel like with ADHD and it being more of this kind of like lifelong thing, it then takes someone kind of learning like, okay, how do I cope? with this? How do I learn to have a healthy relationship with food that works well with like my own individual self versus, you know, what may work well for my friend who doesn't have ADHD or something like that. So yeah, I'm curious how you approach that with clients of yours who have ADHD versus ones who don't. Yeah. Well, it, well, help for everyone to know here that I have ADHD. And so mm. I very closely understand those struggles because when we are healing our relationship with food, learning more about intuitive eating, all we hear is listen to your body, right? And that's mm-hmm. absolutely true. However, with ADHD, there's lower interceptive awareness, meaning mm. there is lower uh, attunement and attention paid to those cues from your body, like hunger and fullness. Sometimes ADHDers don't even get those signals reliably because of all sorts of different reasons, right? And so it is common for someone with ADHD to find themselves forgetting to eat, right? Or having such a low interest in going to make a meal or cooking that they just don't, or they just graze, or they, Mm. you know, just put it off until all of a sudden they can't put it off any longer because they have an urge to binge. And so that's not necessarily triggered by intentional restriction for dieting or, you know, needing stimulation or needing dopamine, but rather the lack of structure that an ADHD might need in order to get those basic needs met. And Mm -hmm. so this is where we may lean more into being practical and Mm -hmm. a little more structured than an average person in order to get our basic needs met. So with an average client, we might move from a really highly structured sort of approach to healing our relationship with food to really flexible, right? Being Mm -hmm. able to be a lot more intuitive in the moment, making decisions on what they're eating each day, you know, whatever best fits their schedule and their Mm -hmm. needs. But with someone who has ADHD, we almost never become fully unstructured when it comes to listening to your body. It it always lands somewhere (laughs) in like a semi-structured approach where it might include meal planning. It might include meal prepping. It might include Mm -hmm. setting timers to remind yourself to eat. And I've had so many clients who struggle with this idea because they're like, well, that's not really listening to my body. And I say, Mm -hmm. it is in a sense because you are listening 
sort of in hindsight, right? Like, let's say we get Mm -hmm. through a day and you realize, oh, I didn't eat breakfast or lunch because I just, you know, was distracted by other things. And then I binged that evening. Well, Mm -hmm. listening to that day, we can say, hey, when I skip breakfast and lunch, I'm more likely to binge at night. Mm. You know, it it might mean from yesterday, pre-planning what we're going to have for breakfast and lunch the next Mm. day. And so we're listening to our body, but it's, we're listening more from reflection Mm. of our past experiences from our past patterns. Um, So yeah, all in all, when it comes to having ADHD or any neurodiversity, Mm -hmm. intuitive eating and listening to your body is going to look a little bit different and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, And it might include a lot more planning. Yeah. And I think that's so important to note because I think it's, very easy to think that intuitive eating is just this like one size fits all, especially when people try and put it in a box of like a diet too. When in reality, we know, I mean, if intuitive eating is the way that all of us as human beings are made to eat, it means it's going to look different for different people. And there's going to be certain things that, you know, maybe feel less intuitive, but for someone who has a diagnosis like ADHD may be really helpful. And I love how you describe that of like, okay, we're listening to this past day and we recognized we forgot to eat breakfast and lunch. We had food at home. We had ways to be able to eat, but we just forgot. We got caught up, whatever there is might be. And so it's like learning from that to then help you in the future. Um, and then, you know, people may find, I see this with clients, like some may find they need to set alarms and reminders for, you know, weeks and months and years to come. And then some may find like, okay, I set those. And then it kind of starts to become a little more routine, or maybe I do notice some hunger starting to kick in or things like that, where maybe they don't need those long-term, but I think it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, trying to like recognize that the way intuitive intuitive eating looks for one person isn't going to be a carbon copy of what it looks like for the next person. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something that's frequently missed when, mm-hmm. you know, just not reading the intuitive eating book, but but hearing mm-hmm. about it and making assumptions about it. People may assume like, oh, it's it's like eat when you're hungry, stop when yeah. you're full. And it's like, there's one sure way to do it. But the intuitive eating principles are principles. They're guidelines. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, A plus B equals C. It's sort of yeah. like eat you know, without being controlled by diet culture, Mm -hmm. listen to your body to the best of your ability and make choices that support you long-term. But all all of the answer to those three things are going to look different for every single individual. And so Mm. by recognizing, hey, these are sort of guiding principles, but I get to take those principles and make something of that within my own life is really Mm -hmm. what allows us to adapt through different seasons of life, make it work for different lifestyles or capabilities, right? Like if I'm Mm. working with a client who's a single mom of three and then working with a 18 year old client who has no responsibilities at all, (laughs) intuitive eating is going to look very different Mm -hmm. for each of those individuals. And that's okay. Like there's not one right or wrong way to eat intuitively. Yes. And I think this like randomly just popped into my mind, but I think that's where like social media and comparison and sharing what we eat and that sort of thing can just get so messy because it's easy to see, even if it's someone who's like healing in their journey, posting about their specific, like what's working for them and that sort of thing, not necessarily taking that as like, oh, so that's going to be true for me too. And, you know, the importance for a lot of people who are struggling with food to work with a dietitian because it gives them that more individualized support 
instead of trying to like copy and paste what worked for someone else. Cause it may work for you, but it also may not. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious too, for people listening who maybe still kind of feel in like the throes of like binge eating and, and maybe they're even able to recognize like, okay, from listening to this, I can tell mine's rooted out of emotions or rooted from restricting or whatever it may be. What are some things that you found helpful with clients to even like, like, let's say someone's binged and then we're kind of at that, like after point of binge where it's easy. And I think this probably is, especially for people who are more from that, like restriction, whether it's like the amount of food or specific foods, what have you found helpful that prevents people from just kind of jumping back into that feedback loop of like, okay, mm-hmm. I just binge. So now I need to restrict again, or I just ate this you know, whole pizza. So now I can't have pizza again for however long. Um, yeah. What are some things that are actually more supportive to help them just get off of that like roller coaster altogether? Yeah. Great question. I really find that what you do after binge is more important than mm-hmm. what you do to try to you know, stop the urge to binge or what you do during the urge to binge, right? Like it's happened. The best way to move forward Mm -hmm. is simply put to move on. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's easier said than done, but giving yourself empathy, recognizing, Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm doing the best that I can given what I know right now. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, you know, is really helpful to just get us to move on and get out of the shame spiral. When we start to get stuck in the shame spiral, we, you know, are are mean to ourselves and we're hard yeah. on ourselves and we're not rational, right? We know, hey, the loop, the continual cycle has been binge restrict. When we're in a shame spiral, spiral, we're most likely going to be like, okay, well, I'm going to restrict again because I need to sort of fix this or do the opposite of what just happened. But if we can meet ourselves with empathy, we can say, you know what? Well, that really sucked and I really don't like binging. I know restricting again isn't going to solve this. So I'm going to just keep going and keep doing the best that I can to help meet my body's needs. Now, If this is the first time you're reflecting on your binge, you might be like, I don't know what that is. What is it that I need? And that's where you can ask yourself some questions of, okay, physically, am I getting enough food? Am I eating all Mm -hmm. of my macronutrients, right? Am I restricting carbs? And then you can pinpoint maybe that biggest (laughs) barrier that's that's keeping you from binge freedom. And you can say, okay, that's Mm -hmm. one step that I can take to get me closer to healing. So let's say it is, hey, I, I never eat breakfast. You can say, okay. I just binge. What I would do differently moving forward is I will eat breakfast. And I always Mm -hmm. think of it like that. Instead of like, what do I wish I had done? It's sort of like, Mm -hmm. what what do I want to do differently next time or tomorrow? Um, And thinking about it in the future to get us out of that sort of shame of the past. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's really helpful to just sort of question, okay, what could have led to it? Um, Okay, now I see maybe what triggered it. What would I do differently next time? Okay, I'd rather eat breakfast. All right, I'm going to commit to eating breakfast every day this week and so on and so forth. So it's really just taking first and foremost empathy to move on. But secondly, a a curiosity rather than a judgment to be able to figure out how to best support your body and your mind moving forward. Yes, curiosity versus judgment. I love that. And I feel like I say that to clients all the time because it is, it's so easy to look at, 
you know, post binge and see like, oh my gosh, how could, how did I do that? Like I have no control. All those like negative shame filled thoughts that lead you running to some diet, some sense of control. And in, re- in reality, it's like taking a step back and really what you were describing is kind of analyzing like, okay, what even caused me to binge in the first place? And what could I do differently next time? And I'm probably not going to get it perfect next time or the time after or time after, but what can I start trying to do to move me closer to a more healthy relationship with food? And I feel like all of that is a snapshot into like the work we do with clients of kind of then bringing in accountability. Cause I think accountability can be huge and, you know, having a place that you can like talk all of this out on a kind of ongoing basis can be really helpful too. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. It, it, like whether it's with a professional, a mm-hmm. friend or an online resource, having a source of accountability, it can be so crucial us. And I know we talked about ADHD, but especially with yeah. ADHD, ADHDers mm-hmm. need some sort of incentive to do mm-hmm. mundane tasks. And yeah. so for some of my clients who are like, I want to journal more about my triggers, they will mm-hmm. set up sort of like accountability buddies for like, oh, every, mm-hmm. you know, Monday morning, I get on FaceTime with my friend, we mute ourselves, mm-hmm. but then we both do some journaling time. Or recently mm-hmm. I found this incredible resource called Focus Mate, and um, you get like three free sessions a week, I'm pretty sure, where it, it, uh, matches you with someone mm-hmm. who also is looking for accountability at that time. Literally oh, right cool. before our podcasting call, uh-huh. I did a one hour focus mate session uh-huh. with some random girl who was like, uh-huh. yeah, I really need to send all these emails. I've been procrastinating. And I was like, yeah, I need to draft a couple uh-huh. of newsletters. We just say what we're going to do. We mute. And for the wow. next hour, you know, uh-huh. we're there with an accountability buddy. And so That's some of my cool. clients have found that really helpful for prioritizing certain behaviors when it comes to <clears throat> healing their relationship with food, whether mm. that's, oh, I need to meal prep. And so having an accountability buddy to meal prep, or I want to journal and having an accountability to buddy to journal, it just like gives mm. them that, that sort of non-negotiable schedule where they yes. have to do that thing for themselves. Yes. Oh, I, I love that idea. Cause I think that's helpful too. If people maybe can't think of someone that they want to be their accountability person, or, you know, maybe it's something they don't really want to like let a friend into, like they'd rather have someone that's more of like a stranger basically. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really cool. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. And it seems awkward. Like you would Mm -hmm. think, Oh, it's so weird, like magic, but everyone is on there for the same reason. Yeah. Everyone gets it and wants to like get something done for that. You can Mm -hmm. do like 25 minutes or an hour. And so it, it's really not, you just say, Hey, this is what I'm going to work on. Mm-hmm. Then you mute and you get to work and it's a really yeah, cool tool. That is cool. I like that a lot. Um, well, Marissa, for people who want to learn more from you, learn about, um, working with you, all of that sort of stuff, where can people find you? Yeah, well, I'm on Instagram at binge.nutritionist. You can find a ton of my resources on my website, which is behind the binge. That's also mm-hmm. the name of my podcast as well, Behind the Binge. I haven't been as consistent with uploading, I'll be honest, oh, but yeah. you can backlog and look at all my my yes. old episodes. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much my main sources where you can find me. Uh, amazing. Yeah. I feel like consistency with podcasting can be tough. <laughs> Especially like, like certain I run, <laughs> Yeah. I run out of ideas of what to talk about. Yes. I'm like, haven't I already talked about this? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's definitely something that I'm glad it, it lives yes. there for anybody if they need totally. it. Totally. Yes. Um, well, and we'll make sure all of that is linked in the show notes as well. 
So thank you so much for taking time for this conversation. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining today's episode on the free method podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review that helps others discover this message of freedom. Share this with your friends and make sure you tag us on Instagram at free method nutrition. And if you're ready to start your own journey to freedom, I'd love to offer you a free call to chat with me about your health goals. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash free call to schedule yours. We will see you in the next episode.